Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, if you have your Bibles. Are you glad to be in church this morning? Yep, that's awesome. It's great to be in church. Uh, Great to worship together. Great to spend time together. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. This is an obscure passage in the Bible. And you're not going to recognize it. So you're going to learn something new today. Matthew chapter 6 and I'm reading from verse 9. The Bible says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread as we uh, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father. We just thank you for your word today. Lord, if I can speak the word, if we hear your word, it's only by your grace and for your glory. So let let this word not just be another speech, Lord God, but let it be a revelation in our hearts and in our lives. Behind every spirit of fear and intimidation, just let there be freedom to receive and to speak your word. And I just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, In a book entitled uh, Atomic Habits, James Clear tells the story of the British cycling team. Uh, 2003, uh, they employed a man called Dave Brailsford uh, as the new director. Uh, Before his appointment, British cycling uh, was not performing really well. Uh, Since 1908, they had won just one gold medal in the Olympics. How sad is that? Um, In 110 years, no British cyclist had ever won the Tour de France. They performed so badly, uh, manufacturers didn't want to sell them bikes uh, because they were embarrassed to be associated with the British cycling team. So when Brailsford took over, he implemented a strategy called the aggregation of marginal gains. All right, you understand that? Yeah. (laughs) So the idea behind this was that if you broke down all the components of riding a bike, I'm not a bike rider, okay? So for bike riders, you know exactly what this is about, and improved each component by 1%, then when you put it all together, performance would increase. So together with the team, uh, they kept looking for 1% improvements uh, from the seats, Uh, to the pedals, to the bike, to the rider's diet, uh, put them on the 21-day fast, to exercise routines. um, And under his leadership, listen carefully, the British cycling team over a 10-year period won 178 world championship medals, 66 Olympic gold medals, and five wins of the Tour de France. An incredible achievement just based on just looking for 1% improvements. This is what he says, making a choice that is 1% better or 1% worse 
seems insignificant in the moment. But over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, those choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be. Success is the product of small daily habits, not once in a lifetime, transformation. Uh, The gist of the book is quite simple. If you want to see where you're going to end up in 20 years, just look at the small 1% habits that you have today. If if you're fit in 20 years' time, it's because you've developed the habit of exercise. If if you have healthy teeth, it's because you brush your teeth every single day. I trust you brush your teeth this morning in Jesus' name. Did you? Uh, If you have knowledge, it's because every day you make time to read. You develop the habit of reading. If you want to change your life, change your habits. Um, Now, we dismiss the power of small habits because on the day, they don't seem to make a lot of difference If you save a little bit of money, you're not a millionaire. If you go to the gym three days in a row, you don't see any muscles. I don't know. I've I've lost count of the gym phases that I've been through. I've been through at least six or seven. Yeah, this this time it's going to be different, you know. Uh, Went through one a couple of years ago and that's gone. That's history now. Uh, You know, went to the gym for a a month, you know, three times a week. You got to, you know, do it right. I didn't see any change. So what's the point? You know what I'm saying? That this is me. Uh, we make a few changes, but because we don't see big changes, we give, we give up. We also dismiss the bad habits because they don't, we don't see the negative effects immediately. One cigarette isn't going to cause you to have cancer. One donut isn't going to get you to, uh, obese, to become obese. You don't forget that. Nothing wrong with a donut. Uh, studying the night before an exam uh, isn't going to make you fail. Single bad decisions are easy to dismiss. It's only when you look back over 10, 20 years that you see the incredible difference, 1% habits, small habits, good habits have made and the cost of bad habits. If you want to change your life, change your habits. If you want to end up in a different place, change those habits. Just the, just the 1% habits, just those small habits, change, just change those habits and you'll end up in a different place. In 10, 20 years. I want to speak this morning about one of the greatest habits that we can develop in our lives. And it's the habit of prayer. Now we're in the, we're in the middle of a Daniel fast. A key scripture uh, for, this, uh, for this series is, uh, so I turned to the Lord God, pleaded with him. These are the words of Daniel. So I, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in a prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, D- Daniel is saying, I was doing some things. And so what I decided to do, I, I turned to the Lord and I began to pray. And evidently, this wasn't just something that Daniel did because he was going through a tough time or because there was a crisis in his life. This was something that he did on a regular basis. Daniel understood the power of prayer. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel had the habit of prayer. Why was it that Daniel was used in such a powerful way? I believe one of the reasons why Daniel was used by God in such a powerful way, he was a man of prayer. He understood the power of prayer. So often as Christians, we look at our lives and we believe things need to change. And we look for that one service, that one sermon, that one altar call, that's going to make the biggest difference in our lives. And I I believe in that. I I believe in the suddenly. I believe that God at times done some incredible work in our lives in just a moment. But if we want to see real change in our lives, we need to change our habits. 
It's those small habits. It's those 1% habits. If we want to see real change in our life, we need to change those habits. And one of the greatest habits that we can develop is the habit of just speaking to God. Now, we know this. I'm not, I'm not saying anything new here today. Those of us that have kind of grown up in church, we, we understand the power of prayer. We hear the sermons on prayer. We read books on prayer. But one of the things that we struggle to do is pray. The Bible says of Jesus very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus understood the power of prayer. And if Jesus had to pray, how much more do we need to pray? If Jesus, the Son of God, had to, had to find a place and a time to be able to go and pray, uh, how much more do we need to pray and to seek God? And, and here's what I think. I, 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 uh, as I was you know, writing this message, as I was reflecting on this, I, I believe this is a powerful message. It's a simple message. You're not going to learn anything new. You're not going to go home and go, oh, gee, I had a new revelation today, except about the habits part. That, 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 that was enlightening to me. But, but we, we all understand the power of prayer. But if there's something that's missing in our lives, it's the actual prayer itself. And I, I want to encourage this. I, I was thinking if there were two sermons I had to preach, if I had two sermons left to preach, one would be the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if you come to Jesus, your life can be different. There's no greater message than the gospel of Jesus Christ. People accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and the transformation that that brings. It's powerful. The second greatest message, I believe, it's a message about prayer. And I, and I want to tell you here today, I know we're in a congregation here where each of us are at a different place in our walk with God. But no matter how close or far you are to God, the greatest thing that you can do is develop your relationship with God. I can tell you, your life will be different in 10 to 20 years time if you develop the habit of prayer. So what I want to do today is help you develop your prayer time. I want to do two things. First, I want to tell you four things that you need to do to develop uh, your prayer time. And then secondly, I want to teach you how to pray. I want to teach you how to pray. Um, I will teach you a format or a model that's going to help you in your prayer time. My, my prayer is that God is going to speak to us today. I think back over my life, I grew up in the church. I was born uh, in this church and I've grown up over the years I don't really remember when I gave my life to Christ, but there was some time I remember saying, I, I want to get closer to you, Lord God. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've done over the years is I've, I've always, you know, tried to spend some time in prayer. But as I've gotten older, I just appreciate more than anything else, my time with God in prayer. And I want that for you. I want that for you. And so, hence this message. So, first of all, um, how do we develop the habit of prayer? Well, there are, there are four things that we need to do. Four things that we need to do. The first is, we need to do is, is make prayer a priority. It's the priority of prayer. That's the first step. You can write that down in your notes. The priority of prayer. Uh, we always make time for things we think are important. If we understand the power of prayer, then we're going to make time for it. If, if, if we're going... if, if prayer is going to become part of our routine every single day, then, then, then we need to make time for it. Bible says, now Peter and John went uh, up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. If you want to develop the habit of prayer, you need to set aside some time every single day and say, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm, going, to, I'm going to spend some time just speaking to God. For some, that's in the morning. Some it's at night, for others it's a lunch break, whatever it is. If you can carve out 10 to 15 minutes of, 
of time where you could just spend and, and begin to talk to God, your life is going to be lived differently. Now, I grew up in a time where, where uh, you know, people used to say, well, all the, all the greats that have ever been used, because they used to get up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm in my third round of sleep at five o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm not good in the morning. I'm not a nice person in the morning. So I, I'd rather sleep in the night. Any, any friends in the congregation? You want to you need to find a time that's suitable for you. And you lock it into your diary. Spend that time in prayer. Second thing that you need to do if you're going to develop a habit of prayer is you need to find a place to pray. First is the priority of prayer, then the place of prayer. Uh, you need to determine ahead of time where you're going to pray. Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. Jesus was saying, when you pray, you need to find a place to pray. You never establish a habit of prayer until you, you say, you know what, this, this is where I'm going to pray. Now, some, some people say, you know, Pastor Joe, I understand the power of prayer. I pray while I'm driving to work. That's a good start. That's good. It's not a bad thing at all. But, but here's the deal. The reality is multi-skilling is a myth. You can't do two things successfully at the same time. And... Um, you're doing either one well or the other well. You're not doing two things at the same time. And if you want quality time with God, you need to find a quality place where it's just you and God, where you spend time with God. Can you hear an amen? amen. This week was Valentine's Day. Um, imagine a husband says to his wife, it's going to take you out to a romantic dinner. You're going to go out to dinner. And uh, while they're having dinner, he's got his earphones in his, in his ears listening to music. What, what, kind of a, what, what kind of a relationship is that going to be? Is she going to stick around? I don't think she's going to stick around. It's actually insulting in some ways. And, and sometimes we say, God, you know what? I'm pretty busy, but I could slot you in this time here. But I, but I will have some earphones in my ears. I hope you don't mind. Quality relationships don't happen that way. And a quality relationship with God isn't going to happen that way either. If you're going to get the most out of prayer, and I'm not saying, you know, do something is good, but if you're going to get the most out of prayer, then you need to carve out some quality time. Jesus says, you know, find a secret place, a quiet place, a place where you can just talk to God and open your heart to God. Third thing you need to do is have a plan for prayer. That's a plan for prayer or a model for prayer. Some people think, how can you pray for 10 minutes? I can barely pray for a minute, let alone for 10 minutes. Hey, how are you going to pray for 10 minutes? You know, I, I, I pray for a minute, and, I, and that's because and that's that's I prayed for everything, including the dog. <laughs> Many people know the dog needs a bit of prayer. Anyway, we won't go there. Um, how am I going to pray for 10 minutes? Well, the way you do that is by having a structure in prayer. The way you do that is by having a model in prayer, and there's a whole ton out there, and I'm going to be giving you one this morning. I'm going to give you a, a structure on how, how you can actually pray for time. And fourthly, it's the focus of prayer. Fourth thing we need to remember when we're praying is the focus of prayer. And the focus of prayer is our relationship with God. That the reason, the primary reason why we go and pray is because we want to develop our relationship with God. Now, so often the reason why we pray is because we're desperate. People say, I say to, you know, people say, oh, Pastor Judge, I just find it hard to develop a routine or, a, or the habit of prayer because I'm pretty busy. It's funny because when we're going through a crisis, it's incredible how quickly we, we carve out some time to pray. Can I hear an amen? Mm. It's, it's amazing when we're going through a crisis how we find time to pray and to seek God and to cry out to God. And that's a really good thing, by the way. But I think a better thing is 
that we find some time every single day to, to be with God, to cry out to God. Because the focus of our prayer is not, God, I, I'm desperate, I need, I need an answer. It's a good thing. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But the primary reason why we spend time with God is because we want to develop our relationship with God. We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ. That means we can have a relationship with God. That's what we believe. The difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is about what you do, but, but, but Christianity is about, is about a relationship. It's the kind of, it's the, we, can, we can actually have a relationship without God. We can, we can talk to God and God can talk to us. And we believe that. And so the, the primary focus of our prayer is not, God, here's my list of things I need this week. Our, our, our primary, our primary uh, purpose for prayer is not, this is what I want, Lord God. Our primary focus for prayer is, Lord, I just want to spend some time with you. Imagine spending time with your spouse. Uh, yeah, can we make an appointment? Yep, 10 o'clock. And then 10 o'clock, I need this, 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 and this. What kind of a relationship is that? Not a good one, I can assure you. Why, why do we spend time together? We just want to spend some time together. I just want to talk. Communication. We just want to talk. And there's this exchange that happens as we talk. And that's the same with God. You know, it's, 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 you know Adam and Eve have sinned in the Garden of Eden and, and they're hiding somewhere and God is in the garden saying, Adam, where are you? He just wants to talk. And there's an impartation that happens as we speak between us and God. If you want to change your life, change your habits. And the greatest habit that you can develop in your life is the habit of prayer. Now, I, I, can, I, 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 can, I can tell you, your life will change. You'll be in a different place in 10, 20 years' time if you develop the habit of prayer. And I'm not saying an hour in prayer. Spending a few minutes in prayer every single day, your life will change. So this brings me to the second purpose of the message today. I want to give you a model for prayer. Or a structure for prayer. One day the disciples came to Jesus and said to Jesus, teach us to pray. John uh, teaches his disciples how to pray. Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says uh, to his disciples, well, this is how you should pray. And it's a beautiful prayer. It's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, some of you who are new to faith might recognize the prayer. Uh, it's the Lord's Prayer. The power of the prayer is not so much in the words, but it's in the meaning of the words. The, the, the power of this, of, of, this, of, of, this, of this prayer is not so much in the physical words, but in the meaning of the words. And, you know, you can pray this prayer in 21 seconds. That's all it takes to pray the prayer. But the intent that Jesus had when he, when, he, when he gave the disciples this prayer was not that they would repeat this prayer as if there was some power in this prayer. In fact, if you read the preceding verses in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, you know, don't just babble. Don't just repeat things for the sake of repeating things. It's not going to help you. And then Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. And, and so the, 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 the power of the prayer is in the meaning of the words. So in this prayer, there are seven aspects of prayer that can guide us, that can guide us in our prayer. Now, we can pray it in 21 seconds. If your heart is in the prayer, nothing wrong with repeating it. 
If you, if, if you actually understand the meaning of the words and, you, and your heart is in it, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy. If your heart is there, repeat it. It's not a problem at all. But the, but, but the true power of this prayer is it can be used as a model to help us pray for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, or even more if you want to. So in the side of the prayer, there are seven topics, seven outlines that can help us to pray. So let me give you those aspects, seven aspects of prayer, and then... We're going to spend a bit of time in prayer. So the first aspect is the aspect of relationship. It's our Father in heaven. Now, we've talked about this before. I love this aspect of the prayer. It reminds us what prayer is really all about. There it is. It's, it's Again, it's about our relationship with God. That we come to God, not as a God that is distant and religious and pious and disconnected. He's not on some chair somewhere up there in heaven, sitting on this grand chair with this, with this garb, with, with all kinds of stuff. That's not the God that we serve. It's our Father. Come to God like a son or daughter comes to their father. Now for some people, they had a difficult relationship with their father, so they have a bit of problem with this aspect of the prayer. Martin Luther said he struggled with the Lord's Prayer because he had a terrible relationship with his father. And in reality, there's no such thing as a perfect father. We know that. Every father's going to let us down at some point. I know that there are, you know, I hear some people say, oh, my dad was like this and my dad like that. And my dad, my dad, you know, oh, oh, let's see what you do. <laughs> let's see how you go. Let's see how you fare. Because um, as we get older, we start to get some wisdom. We start to, we start to understand we've got one or two flaws. And anybody in the congregation got one or two flaws, you know. In your, you've heard me say before, in your 20s, you've got no problems, you know. Uh, in your 30s, everybody else is the problem. In your 40s, you realize there could be one or two things you've got to work on. In your 50s, you try and work on them, but, you know, you, you just struggle. You work out it's quite... In your 60s, you give up because you're too tired. It's just too hard. Forget it, I'm never going to change. In your 70s, you realize that, that you weren't the problem after all. It was someone else, usually your kids and stuff like that. They're the problem. And your 80s and 90s, you don't have any problems because you can't remember them. So they're gone. They just forget it. They're gone. What problems? There were no problems. <laughs> all, all, all of us, you know, we, 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 we're so good at judging other people. We're so good at pointing out the flaws in everybody else. The reality is there's no such thing as a, as, as a perfect uh, uh, father. There's, there, there's no such thing as a perfect mom. Like everything in life, we take the good, we reject the bad. And we talked about this in a staff meeting recently. We eat the meat and we throw away the bones. And no matter what type of relationship we've had with our father, there is a longing inside every human heart to be connected to their father. Now, I don't care what anyone says. That's a reality. Then, that, that no, no, matter, no matter who we are in life, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's this longing inside every human being to be connected to their father. And the beauty of our relationship with God is that He invites us to come to Him as our Father. That no matter if we've had a neglected father or a father's abandoned us, or we don't even know who our Father is, there is a Father in heaven who loves us, and He invites us to come to Him, not as our God up there somehow, not as some distant God. He invites us to come to Him as our Father. I think that's beautiful. And it's in God, our Father, that we find security and love and belonging and, and, and affection and approval and everything else that we need. It's in Him as our Father that we find everything that we need. You've heard me say before, one, the, the, the place I feel extremely secure is in the presence of God. He's not a God that's pointing out all my, all my faults. It's, a, it's the most secure place where you can feel. It's in the presence of God. It's our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be my name. 
God the Father said of his son, this is my son whom I love. This is my beloved son whom I love. Listen to him. And God says the same about you and me. I love you. <laughs> you, you we're accepted in God. And he has our best interest at heart. And that's what makes this prayer so powerful. And that, that's what makes this prayer so important. It's our Father. And when you, when you, when you get a revelation of the power of that place, when, when you get a revelation of, 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 of the power of being in His presence, just you and God, when, when you understand how powerful that is, a, a God that knows every single thing about you and loves you just the same, you will never be the same again. And if you cultivate that, your life will never be the same again. In a relationship, people speak to each other. And in prayer, we speak to God and God speaks to us. And that might sound weird to some people. But it's a reality. One of the things I hear most people, you know, a lot of people say to me, Pastor Joe, how do you, how do you learn to hear God's voice? I've, th I've thought about this so many times. How do, you, how do you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? I, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you the, the, the easiest way for us to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit is quite simple. It's by developing the habit of prayer. It's as we develop the habit of prayer that we learn to discern the voice of God. We come into his presence and we begin to speak to God. We begin to cry out to God. We begin to talk to God about what's happening in our lives and, 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 and what's going on in our lives. And it's in that place that you learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are times you get it wrong, but then, but then you learn. You just learn to, learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is a skill like every other skill. In, at times you, 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 you won't get it right, but, but the, the more you Practice that particular skill, the better you'll get at it. And, and it's in the presence of God that you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And your life will change. Second aspect of uh, prayer is worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we don't use the word hallow very much, but to, hallow means to, ho to honor as holy. Um, we honor his name. W worship is about giving worth to God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So as we pray, we begin to worship God. And I, I just thank you for who you are, God. You're a great and awesome God. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. I thank you for, for what you've done in my life. And I thank you for what you're doing in my life. And it's, we honor his name. Something very powerful about the name of God. As you read the Bible, you'll see that there are, there are I believe it's about eight times where God reveals his name. It's not about his name. It reveals something about his character and his nature. This is who God is. And as we honor his name, uh, we get an understanding of what God can do in our hearts and in our lives. He's our righteousness. He's our healer. He's our shepherd. He's our provider. He's our peace. He's there. There was one of his names means he's there. How powerful is that? Lord, I just thank you that you're here with me. I just thank you, Lord God, that there's no way that I can be that you are not. I thank you, Lord God, that if I'm on the highest mountain, you are there. If I'm in the deepest valley in my life, I thank you that you are there just the same. Because your name is you are there. He's our peace. He's our victory. I read a scripture in Isaiah this week that just blessed me. I just, I just find it amazing. I've been walking with the Lord for many years and occasionally you get a scripture that just blesses you. And it comes out of Isaiah, I think it's chapter 28, the last verse, and it's describing God. It says, God is wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. 
So as I'm in the presence of God, Father, I just say, you know what? He's, the, he's, he's an amazing counsellor. He's cheap too. You, you, you can go into his presence. He's an amazing counsellor. Father, I just thank you that you're a wonderful counsellor. I, I just thank, Lord, I don't know what I should do in this situation, Lord God, but I just thank you that you're a wonderful counsellor. And I thank you, Father God, that you're going to guide and lead me in the name of Jesus. He's magnificent in wisdom. His wisdom just isn't, you know, kind of good wisdom. It's magnificent. God is able to tear through all of the, all of the you know, the different ideas and the, and the different things. And, 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 he's, and He's able to give a word in a situation that's going to see you through. He's magnificent in wisdom. Anybody ever been in a place where you don't know what to do? Come on, we're always there. Every other day, you know, they say, what do I do, Lord? Left or right? You know, yes or no? Do I take it? Don't I take it? What do I do, Lord God? If you've developed the habit of prayer, if, if you've developed the habit of just going into the presence of God, enjoying the presence of God, not just when you're desperate for something, but every single day. I just spend time with God. I find 10 minutes, 15 minutes in a day, I carve it out and I spend that time with God. When you're not sure what to do, you begin to worship God. Father, I just thank you that you're the God of wisdom, that your wisdom is magnificent. And right now, Lord God, I got no idea what I should do. And it's in that place that God begins to speak. It's in that place where, where, where God begins to confirm. You say, Pastor Joe, I had this thought while I was praying. I think it was God. I'm not sure if it was God or not. Yeah, it's just a, a thought that came into my mind. I don't know if it was my thought. It's the pizza the night before. You shouldn't be having pizza in the 29 day fast. Pizza's not included. This is what I do. I just go, I say, Father, I got this idea. This is what I'm thinking, Lord God, but, but I'm not really sure if it's you or not or just me. So God, would you, would you just confirm? Would you find a way to make it clearer, Lord God, because I'm pretty thick. Don't say amen. He laughed. I can't believe these guys. They laughed. I'm thick. I'm not sure, God. God, in, God is a merciful. He loves you. You understand he loves you? Do you understand he wants to guide you more than you want to find guidance? Do you, do, you, do you understand that he's more interested in your future than you are interested in your future? And as you come into his presence, you say, God, I, 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 would you just help me and would you guide me? I, I just thank you that you're magnificent in wisdom. He guides us. Coincidences happen when we pray. David says, my heart explodes with praise to you. Now and forever, my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I will lift up my voice. Every day I will lift up... Every day I will lift up my voice to your name. The praises will last throughout eternity. The third aspect of prayer is submission. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love this aspect of the prayer. So often we come to God with our lists. Lord, I want this and that and the other. Nothing wrong with that. But right from the outset, there's this understanding that God, you know what's best. Not my will, but your will be done. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Notice, notice, notice the word your, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not my kingdom come, my will be done. It's yours, oh Lord. Because ultimately it's about you. This aspect of the prayer speaks about submission to God. God knows what's best for me. It means putting God first. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It means put God first. It means, it means put him in the highest place and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
It's a foundational scripture. It's been a foundational scripture. It's a principle of scripture. It's put God first and he'll take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. And what a declaration right at the outset of the prayer. We, we haven't even got yet to, well, Lord, this is what I need. But right at the outset of the prayer, Lord God, I say, I say God, Lord, you know what's best for me. And I'm going to submit to that. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. This, it's not my agenda for this prayer time. It's your agenda for this prayer time. And God's greatest agenda is that his kingdom, his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. So that puts me just on the side for now. Now, I know that's really hard in a narcissistic uh, Instagram, you know, world that we're living in, likes, you know, thousands of likes. It's all about me. It's like, how much did I get and what do I need and what do I want? It's always, it's always about us. And I love the way this prayer begins. And it, and, it, and, and, and it, it begins with those words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God, right at the outset, I want you to know that whatever we're going to be talking about today, this is about you, first of all. It's about what you want to do. And most of all, Lord God, you actually know what's best. I love the story of Peter. Peter's, I love Peter because Peter reminds me of me. Peter, Peter speaks and then thought, you know, and then thinks, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know. And, and Peter thinks he's amazing, but he's not really amazing because he doesn't really know what's going on inside of him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's denied Jesus three times and now he's with Jesus there on the shore and... Jesus is cooking some fish barbecue thing that he's doing. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, do you love me? He doesn't ask him once. He asks him three times. Peter denies him three times. Jesus asks him. On the third time, he says, Peter says, you know all things. You, you really know, Lord God, what I don't know. I think I love you, Lord, but you, you, you're the one that really knows. Your kingdom come, your will be done, says, Lord. I think this could be good for me, Lord God, but you really know what's best for me. And I submit to your will. It's if this cup could be taken away from me, let, let it happen. But not my will be done, your will be done. And when you, when you get to a place where you can submit to God like that, it's a powerful place to be. God isn't going to bring you to a place where he's going to make you miserable, you know. People are afraid to commit themselves to God. He's going to send them to you know, to, to be a missionary, you know, amongst the tribes in the jungle, you know, uh, somewhere in the deepest, darkest world. That's, if, if that's where God wants you to go, he's going to give you a desire for that. You can't wait to go there. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It might not be the way you think those things are going to be, you know, come about, but, but he will give you the desires of your heart. It's an attitude of submission. Supplication, this is where we present our needs to God. Give us this day our daily bread. It's the part where we present our request to God. And we say, God, I, I just need you. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made to God. Jesus stops at blind Bartimaeus and he says, what do you want me to do for you? He's walking along and he's blind Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus stops at you and me and he says, what would you have me to do for you? Father, my marriage is in trouble. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. My life has no purpose. Kids are away from you. It's where we present our requests before God. Pastor Joe, I've done it 10 times and nothing's happened. 
our responsibility is to pray. And then we put it into God's hands. And his responsibility is to answer how he wants. Because we just prayed. Not my will, your will be done. Not my timing, your timing. Next aspect is about confession and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is the part of the prayer where we search our hearts. Next part is the confession part. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's the only conditional part in, in the whole prayer. It's forgive me like I forgive my debtors. If you want to be forgiven, forgive. Again, it's a great opportunity just to pour out our hearts before God. Don't hide. You can't hide from God. You just say, God, forgive me of this, this and this in my life. Struggling with this, Lord God. Would you help me? Help me to forgive. And forgive those people that have hurt you. It's a great opportunity to come into the presence of God and say, God, these people have hurt me. Help me to forgive them, Lord God. I don't want to forgive them as I'm in the presence of God. I say, Father, these people have really hurt me and I don't want to forgive them. But the Lord's prayer says I need to forgive them. Would you help me? Would you give me the grace to forgive the unforgivable? It's in that space where God gives you strength and power to do things you could never do on your own. It's what grace is. Then we pray for protection. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Pray God protect us. It's where we do spiritual warfare. Come into the presence of God. Just read it this morning in James. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We come into the presence of God and we say, enemy, get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my life. Get your hands off our church. Get your hands off our marriage. Get your hands off our children. Get your your hands off our city and nation. We finally end up with worship again, but actually it's a declaration. Declaration would be a better word. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Imagine you have an ice cube and you want to melt it. It's minus 20 degrees Celsius. You know, you know when you're in that kind of condition, you, you can see your breath. Jeremy's right there at the moment in the US somewhere, buried in snow somewhere. Uh, ever so slightly, the room begins to heat up. Minus 20, minus 19, minus 19. That's the temperature of your average freezer, by the way, in case you didn't know. Uh, nothing's happening. The ice cube still remains intact. Minus eight, minus seven, minus six. Nothing has changed. The ice cube is still the same. Minus three, minus two, minus one, zero. When the temperature hits zero, the ice cube begins to melt. What's what's happened? What's made the ice cube melt? There's only been a one degree shift. No, No different to every previous shift, just a one degree shift. But now the ice cube's begun to melt. It's been a huge change. Habit of prayer is like that. You pray and pray and pray. You don't seem to be making any headway. Just like most habits, you just keep doing them and doing them and doing them. You you feel like nothing is changing. Then one day, just just another time of prayer. Just another another appointment in your calendar. Just another time in your your diary for that day. It's a 10 minute. You wake up just like you woke up every other day or you go to bed a little bit later. Or during your lunch break, you decide to go for a walk for 10 minutes and you begin to pray. And as you pray, something happens. Something shifts. 
God speaks, God heals, God intervenes. If you want to change your life, change your habits. And there's no greater habit to develop than the habit of prayer. I wish we could understand the reality of what I'm saying. Some of you are going, yep, that's great. That's great. This is truth. (laughs) And I pray that we would do that. How do you develop a time of prayer? Make a priority. Find a place. Find a time. Have a plan. Remember what it's really all about, getting closer to God. And use the Lord's Prayer as an outline for your prayer. Will you stand with me? Just as this music is praying softly in the background, I want you to pray right now. I just want you to close your eyes. Prayer is about talking to God. And maybe as I was speaking, there was just something that kind of triggered inside of you. Maybe, maybe there was something that, you know, meant, meant something to you. Maybe, maybe you've walked into church desperate. You're going to go straight down to, to, to Lord, I, I, just, I just need you. Just, just right where you are, I just want you to pray. Just seek God. Just cry out to God right now in Jesus' name. Maybe you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Why don't you do that this morning? Say, Lord, I want to know you. If you're real, Lord God, I want to know you. I don't want to spend eternity, you know, thinking what I should have done and could have done or might have. I don't want to get to the other side of eternity and work out that all of this is real. I want to know you, Father. Just right where where, where you are right now. Just pray. Thank you, Jesus.